So this week's topic was actually suggested to me by my good friend, Caitlin, who was watching a TikTok video and she saw this woman who was talking about bleach stains in her underwear. And she was like, is this normal? Does this happen to anybody else? And um, women are not really sure what's normal and what's not normal when it comes to their pelvic floor and their vulvas and their vaginas. And we're kind of led astray by things that are seemingly looking out for our health and wellness. And when I say this, I mean things like bleaching creams, douches, even surgeries. So like vaginal rejuvenation is one. And it's just a lot of garbage that's preying upon our shame for our bodies, especially when it comes to a private area, because nobody talks about this. You don't talk about your vagina with your best friend, I'm sure. Um, And if you do, props to you. But if you don't, that's pretty common, right? We don't really know what's going on down there. And the fact that these industries that are focusing upon our shame with a part of our body, uh, which we don't really know much about, is the way that they're going to sell this stuff to us because it's going to present a problem, whether that problem's an actual problem or a problem they, that, that they invented to capitalize upon our shame. And I know this sounds very conspiracy theorist, but this is how marketing works, right? You present a problem, you're going to present it to your audience and you're going to say, hey, I have the solution for this problem. Is it a real problem? Nah, but we're going to pretend like it is just so that you can buy into our shit. And it's, it's just, it drives me crazy. So um, we all know ad nauseum from Dr. Mel, who's me, <laughs> that peeing your pants regardless of age and how many children you've had is not normal. We know that feeling a heaviness in your pelvis, aka organ prolapse, aka an organ sticking out from your vagina is not normal. We know that... Um, Feeling like you have to pee and not really peeing a lot when you actually go is not normal. They're all common, but they're not normal. Today, we're talking about things that are normal when it comes to your pelvic floor, your vagina, your vulva, and all of that in between. So, um, I already cursed in the intro, which I don't normally do, but screw it. It is what it is. It's 2020. Anything goes. So, moving forward, grab a set of headphones and let's dive right in. Welcome to Finally Fearless, a podcast devoted to getting your damn life back. My name is Dr. Melissa Chofi, a physical therapist who is absolutely sick and tired of seeing women like you fall victim to bullshit products, bullshit advice, and being made to feel like you have to accept a bullshit life. Here we will uncover the good, the bad, and the ugly in regard to the health and wellness realm and have some fun along the way. I'm so excited that you've taken the first step in getting your damn life back. Let's get into the episode. So I want to preface this episode by saying this is not meant to shame anyone. Um, If you decided to do things like wax or shave or you have gotten a surgery like a vaginal rejuvenation surgery or something like that, this is not to shame you. 
I never shame or judge anyone for having for making the choices that they have. This is more for an educational purpose and I, I want to empower you in learning more about your bodies. This way you know what questions to ask, what to look for, and the more you understand what's going on in your own body, the more empowered you are because you're like, I know this, I know what's good for me, I know what I need, and then you go and you seek out help if you need it. You're confident in your questioning, you're confident in what you're feeling, you're confident in advocating for yourself. If you're kind, con- and then not, um, again, I'm not meaning to shit on professions, but there are a lot of shameful or um, what's it called? Providers preying on shame. So a friend of mine was telling me how her doctor was telling her she needed a bleaching cream because her vulva was too dark. Like, no, that no. But because they're in a position of authority, we are so inclined to take their advice as gospel and then apply it when in fact they could just be garbage providers. And the more info you have, the more ammo you have in regard to what's going on in your body, what your how your body should be performing, what should be happening in your body, the less likely you are to be shamed by these people and scammed by these people and basically like living a shitty life because you have fallen prey to people like that and I wish it wasn't a thing but unfortunately it is and I hate it so we are never taught as much as we should be taught in regard to our pelvic floor and our vaginas and our vulvas my like outside of the textbook shit we get in like sixth grade health class so that's what I'm here for And um, that being said, this is also not to be taken as medical advice. It's purely educational. I want you to use this as a stepping stone to then present to your provider if any of this is affecting you and you're like, oh, wow, maybe this is abnormal. Maybe I should go finally make that appointment with my OBGYN. Maybe I should finally stop ignoring what's going on and go make an appointment with my MD and get this checked out. Because honestly, guys, Facebook and these crazy groups, like these community groups, they are not (laughs) giving you the best medical advice. I've seen some garbage advice out there and it's kind of scary. Um, I know it feels good to be like falsely relieved by somebody's kind words on those groups and be like, oh, it's nothing to worry about. And I also know what it feels like to be like, um, kind of feel dismissed because someone's like, oh, I pee my pants all the time. It's so normal. And you're sitting there like, well, I don't want this to be normal. I don't want this to be my life. So stop paying attention to them. Stop asking <laughs> for advice from them because most of them are wrong. So that's what I have to say about that going into this episode. So now we are going to first touch on the subject of, <laughs> wait, can I just say, I can't, <laughs> Looking over my notes because I have notes here so that I stay on track. Um, I le- I led with the bi- not the biggest one, but I led with the most probably like I'm not easing you into this episode. That's what I'm trying to say. We're going full force all in, ladies. This is what's happening right now. We're talking about discharge first. So discharge is normal, especially depending upon where you are in your cycle. 
It's just releasing the the release the release of cervical fluid. I was going to say the releasal. And I'm like, wait, that's not a word. (laughs) It is also a day after treating. So my brain's a little wonky, but it's the release of cervical fluid and what it looks like, what its consistency is, what its volume is, what it smells like. All of that plays a part as to where you are in your cycle. And we're going to get into all of that. So the reason this happens is because your hormones are changing. And this is why this happens during pregnancy and afterwards too, or if you're switching birth control. So if you're using hormonal birth control, um, typical patterns of vaginal discharge might stop because you don't have a quote unquote normal cycle. Um, It's kind of like all uh, synthetic at this point. Um, So again, just let's, let's talk about what you're going to be evaluating. You're going to keep track of the color, the smell, the consistency, and the volume of it. Um, And also, yeah, I said the color. Okay, never mind. (laughs) I'm getting ahead of myself already. We just started. So you are going to want to keep track because say like you're on day one of your cycle. I'm on day one of my cycle. My discharge is going to look and and present way different than yours. We have different bodies. We have different lifestyles. We have different everything and it's never going to be exactly the same as somebody else's. So your normal is your normal and keeping track of that is really, really important. So I use, I am not an affiliate affiliate of this company. I use an app called Flow. I think it's called Flow. It has like a, it's a pink little box with a feather on it, a white feather on it. And I use the free version because I'm a cheap bastard. So they do have a paid version, but even with the free version, you track um, all of your symptoms and you can do this daily if you want, and I do, and you can track, it has like a place for whether you're cramping, um, what your discharge looks like. It has a free notes, a free write section, so you can take any notes for the day. So this is where you could put your, your color, your volume, and all of that in there as well. Um, and I just lost my train of thought. Because I was going to say, I'm going to put, I'm going to put that link in the show notes actually for you guys. Again, I'm not an affiliate, but it's, I, that's the program I use and I really like it. There's a billion of them out there. Um, but really paying attention to your body and what's normal for you is going to be key in this, um, knowing if there's any sudden changes and if you should be going to consult your MD or your OBGYN. Your normal If you ever have like a sudden variation from your own normal or it's significant, you're definitely going to want to see your OBGYN or your MD because you're going to need to rule out any bacterial infections, any STIs, and the slight rare possibility that there's something bigger going on like cervical cancer. Not that I'm saying that infections and STIs are nothing to worry about, but um, cervical cancer is something that could be brewing in the background but that's a very rare very rare occasion but again if that is happening you want to nip that in the bud when it's early on so let's talk about normal discharge first now the the appearance of it is going to change depending upon where you're at in your cycle in the beginning of your cycle it's going to be like this dry sticky consistency and you're probably going to see it in your underwear this is totally normal. Don't get scared. 
Um, it is what it is. I mean, it's normal. It's normal discharge. That's it. I got nothing else about that. But that's what it looks like. Then when you're in your first phase of your cycle, which is called the mid to late follicular phase. I actually said it right. I never say that word right. But the mid to late follicular phase is the first phase of your cycle. And this is usually between the first day of your period and when you start ovulating. During this time, you might have a creamy or like a white appearance in your with your discharge. Then just before and near your ovulation, it's going to be like stretchy and kind of like translucent, like an egg white consistency. And then after ovulation, you go back to your dry and sticky period. Sometimes the fluid has like a whitish tint to it or a yellowish tint to it. And it's like pasty. Like, you know, when, um, please tell me I'm not the only one who did this. I don't think I am. But when you were in grade school and you would cover your hands in glue, like the Elmer's glue, and then you wait for it to dry and then you peel it off. Sometimes the consistency can be like that. Um, that's just the fluid drying up in your underwear. So that's nothing to be embarrassed about or shamed upon or feel weird about because I promise you, little Aunt Sue probably has the same shit going on in her underwear too. The next thing in regard to discharge, let's talk about volume. Most of your discharge volume is going to be produced in the days before and during ovulation. And then after ovulation, like a day or two after, the fluid or the volume is going to decrease. And that decrease usually happens until the end of your cycle. So pay attention to that. Any sudden changes, again, please consult your MD or your OBGYN. As far as the smell goes, um, there might be a mild smell or you might not have any smell at all. But it should never be foul smelling like... um, like fishy or like um, just different, like sour and just like really bad smelling. It should never be bad smelling like that. But some smell is totally okay. And we're going to talk about douching later. But if you have like vaginas smell, they have a smell to them. I'm sorry. It is what it is. And if you're being if you feel like you're being forced to douche to get that smell away, we're going to talk about the dangers of douching later. Please stop douching because there's a reason you smell the way you smell. It's your body. It's your hormones. It's chemicals in there. It's your pH level. They all play into all play factors into your smell. And you don't really want to fuck with that because then that could set off things. And guys, there's enough shit going on down there <laughs> for us to keep track of. Let's not add fuel to the fire and start throwing douches in there and having more things on our plate to worry about. We got enough shit to do. Make your life easy. Stop douching. Again, we're going to get into this later. So um, the smell also, I wanted to bring in, for those of you who might be experiencing things like um, you're leaking, you're peeing yourself when you're coughing or sneezing, or you might be pooping yourself when you're doing any of those, or just in general for both. Be cognizant of, are you smelling what's coming out mixed with your discharge? Are you smelling purely your discharge? Because it's very hard to discern, but you need to be really honest with yourself. Are you peeing your pants? Are you pooping your pants? 
and um, get that taken care of because that is common. That's not normal. That's something that you should be um, remedying. And if you need help finding someone, please let me know. I'll point you to a directory. It's really great. And I'll help get you in touch with somebody who specializes in pelvic floor dysfunction. But that's really important because if you are having like something like urinary incontinence and that, you know, that that urine smell, especially when it's been sitting around for a while, you might think that that's your vaginal discharge. And in fact, it's just your urine that's been sitting there. So really um, pinpointing that and whether that's happening and remedying that and all of that, that's really important too. So that's an aside that I wanted to bring up. Um, what else? Oh, and then the smell around your time of menstruation might change because again, like there's different hormones going on, but to never be foul smelling, it might smell a little like metallic-y because of the blood. But again, um, it should never be bad, bad smelling. Um, as far as abnormalities, so any of these are what you're going to really want to watch for. And if there's a sudden change in any of this and this happens, you're con- going to consult your, your MD or your OBGYN. You're consulting them. That's the end of the story. So watch for the changes in your consistency. So this by this, I mean like your fluid is becoming unusually unusually thin or way thicker or it has more texture to it, like it's kind of lumpy, like cottage cheese. This could be indicative of an infection going on or something else. So really pay attention to what it looks like and um, notice any changes in that. The color might change. So if your discharge looks gray or green or yellow or brown, those are the four colors you want to pay attention to and notify your practitioner of any changes in that if that happens. And the, another good thing too is if there is or are now abnormalities like this happening, writing down the day and what exactly happened and then bringing it to your MD, that is like that's gold. That's going to be your your savior because you're on top of shit. You know your body, you know what's happening and now they know it too because I know it's like I do the same shit. It's like, oh, I'll remember this. And then you go and you're like, something happened, but I don't remember when. I don't really remember what. Dude, write it down. Save yourself. Put it in your phone. Bring it with you on the appointment, please. Also watch for changes in volume. So like any significant or unexpected change in volume, like we said, it the volume can change throughout your ovulation period, but it should never be something like, holy shit, what the hell just happened? I have no idea where that came from. That's an abnormality. And again, we talked about the smell. So anything fishy um, or just different than your normal. You also really want to pay attention to things like any itchiness, if there's burning down there, if there's redness on your vulva or your vaginal opening, really pay attention to that because that is indicative of something that might be going on and it could be infection or whatever um, that we want to get, what's it called? We want to get fixed and be mindful of. And I know you're like, oh, I have to look at my vagina. Yeah, you do. I actually, um, side note, I had a new client this morning who her, her first day, she was having difficulty engaging her pelvic floor. She's a virtual client. So her homework was the mirror activity. And I'm like, you're going to go and you're going to look at the 
sit against the wall and you're going to look at your vulva and your vagina and you're going to see what happens when you do a contraction. And we were talking. She's like, can I just ask you, what's the point of that? And I was like, well, honestly, like, I, it's great because you visualize what's happening. You can actually see it happening on your own body. And then your brain kind of makes that roadmap to then connect to that area and then be able to engage it without you having to think about it this is kind of like the preliminary step and she's like oh my god I love talking about this stuff she runs like um, a mindfulness workshop for older women and we're actually going to do a podcast together in 2021 and I'm so excited but she does this mindfulness workshop and how your mind is so connected to what your body puts out there and how like goal setting, like physical goal setting and all of that is so reliant upon where your mind is and what your mindset is like. And we got into this big whole long discussion about how like if you're not in it, you like going through the motions as far as like exercises and whatever you're trying to retrain. If you're just going through the motions and you're daydreaming, you're probably not going to make that connection. You're probably not going to see any real change and it's not going to be lasting change. It was just a really interesting conversation and I thought it was appropriate to bring that up because what was I talking about? Oh, knowing what your vagina looks like and your vulva. It's very important. And I thought I had another point to that. Oh, wait, another aside. I'm so sorry. But I thought this was important to share too. So again, the importance of the mirror, if you want to check your, your parts out and see what happens when you contract and relax them. Um, this is another reason why I love the mirror it, in the preliminary, preliminary phases of pelvic, like learning about your pelvic health, because so people who have had strokes say you had a stroke and you're having difficulty engaging the right side of your body there. When I worked at I worked at a rehab center and I had a lot of clients who were um, who had suffered from stroke and we used what's called mirror training. So there's a big mirror and you move the arm. So if your right side's affected, you would actually move the left arm and make it do things that you want to do. And then you'd look at it in the mirror. So it looks like your right arm. So your brain applies this principle called neuroplasticity and it kind of starts building that roadmap to then be able to engage your right arm in the ways in which you want it to. So isn't that so cool? That has nothing to do with vaginas, but I, I, oh my God, it's so awesome. I loved working there. Like, oh, it was just so cool. That was a big aside. I'm so sorry, but hey, you learned something new. There's a point to mirrors besides putting makeup on and brushing your teeth and your hair okay so now we're gonna talk about douching um I remember my first so I went to I had my first OBGYN appointment when I was 18 and this I don't know why this is the only part of that exam that sticks out to me she was like you don't douche do you and I was like no and at the time I didn't even know what that was like I saw all the summer's eve commercials and all that stuff on tv but I never knew what douching was She's like, good, you shouldn't be douching. And tell all your friends, don't douche. <laughs> that lady was awesome. She retired, but she was great. So um, the reason we're not going to douche is because your vagina, so the area inside of you, is self-cleaning. It doesn't need any help. It knows how to clean. You don't need to douche in there. You don't need to put soaps in there 
and crazy crap like eggs and all that shit. You don't need any of that. You can clean the outside of it. You're not going to clean the inside of it. It cleans itself. Um, again, like you have a specific pH, a spe- specific bacterial balance. And yes, you do want some good bacteria in there because that helps ward off infections. Um, and we want moisture too. And douching can potentially take away all of these things. And the moisture thing is super important because not only do we need to get moisture in order to um, have intercourse and have penetration and all of that stuff, but the tissues down there are so delicate. Like if you don't have moisture, there's a lot of friction going on between your underwear and your labia and your vulva and all of that. And if that's rubbing and constantly rubbing, then we have some issues going on. Also, if there's not enough moisture, the circulation and getting nutrients to those areas is not the best and we just want to stay away from that. So please stop douching. Please, please stop douching. Anything small like douching can set this normal balance off. So stop. What are you going to do? You're going to stop douching. The end. We call people we don't like douches, so we don't want douches inside of us right? Right. That's, that's my story. The third part of your vulva and your pelvic pelvis, I should say, I was gonna say pelvic floor. No, your pelvis is hair. Hair is normal. It's what sets us apart from children. Also, there's a reason why you have hair, especially given its texture and given its um, appearance. So pubic hair is very coarse. It's curly. This is done for a purpose because it acts as a barrier and protects you against potentially harmful bacteria and viruses that can enter your vagin, your, your vagina, your vagina. <laughs> can you imagine if we started saying vagina? Maybe more people will pay attention to it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so again, like this isn't to shame anyone who is either shaving hers, waxing hers or growing hers out. Um, side note, I had this really awesome client. She was so fucking funny. Her goal, her initial goal was to grow out her pubic hair so that she had, and I quote, a 70s style bush. And then her next goal was to grow it so long that she would be able to braid it. And I really respected this woman because I was like, yeah, she's going for it. And honestly, I couldn't tell <laughs> from day one versus the day she graduated what her the difference in her pubic hair was. Because guys, the truth is we are not paying attention to your pubic hair unless you have <clears throat> something going on like lice or whatever. We're not looking down there. So I always have women who are like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. I'm so sorry I didn't shave for you. I totally forgot. And I was like, honestly, I wasn't looking down at your pubes. I really wasn't. And I don't know what, I don't keep track about what pubes look like for you guys. Um, I'm more interested in what the appearance of everything else looks like to make sure it's healthy and nothing crazy is going on. I'm (laughs) more interested in what you're looking like function wise and how you're carrying out movements and what your muscle how your musculature is performing i am not interested in your pubes i'm sure a lot of other practitioners will say the same thing so don't shave for me 
don't feel like you have to shave for anyone else um, because we're probably not paying attention to it. If you want to shave, that's totally fine. If you want to wax, that's totally fine. If you want to grow it out, that's totally fine. You're the owner of your own body. You can do whatever the fuck you want with it. It's your body. If other people wanted your pubes a certain way, they can do that with their own pubes. You want hot pink pubes? Okay, you go put hot pink pubes on yourself. I'm going to stick here with my own natural pubes. You know what I mean? That being said, um, I had another point. Oh, if you're, po- and I know this is easier said than done, but this is something, and I'm not a mental health counselor. I am not a relationship counselor, but, um, I do work with a lot of women and this is very important. If your partner is like, oh, I don't really like going down on you because your pubic hair is so long. Can you please shave it? That's a difficult question, right? There's a difficult, um, situation to be in. But if you're not comfortable, if you're like, I don't want to shave my pubic hair, I don't want to wax my pubic hair, you need to tell her, this is, I'd really like to, you know, I want to have the body that I want. This is what I want. And you guys need to be open with communication because changing something that seemingly as small as the length of your pubic hair could be it could I'm not saying it is again this is just anecdotal it's just my opinion but it could be indicative of something deeper down going on so communication and being open with that is really really important and if you're not um if you're not living in a body that you that is totally yours and you feel like somebody else is trying to control what you're doing with it your sex life is probably not going to be that great. It's probably not. So communication is really, really key. And what you do with your pubic hair should be up to you and not anybody else. So I wanted to say that. Oh, and then I, I skipped this point too. Besides trapping um, harmful bacteria and preventing it from entering you, your pubic hair also serves as a uh, like a barrier, like a friction barrier. For when you're having sex so and against your clothes too so if you have if it's bare skin like there's going to be a lot of friction rubbing together or if there's bare skin on your clothes that can it could lead to some um irritation not always but that's another purpose behind the pubic hair and yeah that's that's the story about pubic hair And finally, we're going to talk about the labia. So first, a little anatomy lesson. You have two pairs of labia. One is called your labia majora, which is the outer set. So when you look down there, if you will have hair on the labia, labia majora. So those are on the outside. And then on the inside of those are what's called the labia minora and these would not these do not have hair your labia majora are protective work as a protective barrier for your labia minora your urethra so where your the tube where or bleh, your urethra is where <laughs> you pee out of so your labia majora protects the labia minora the urethra the clitoris and your vaginal opening all right 
And there's nerve endings on both sets of labia. So this helps and makes sex pleasurable. And everybody's look is different. I never thought about this, but apparently, <clears throat> so I learned about it in, um, what's it called? When I was taking my continuing education courses and they showed us like all these pictures of labia. And I'm like, I never thought about this. Like, I just, I don't know why I assumed everybody's labia was kind of similar, but they're really different. Like they're different colors. Some are big, some are small, some are fat, some are thin, some are darker, some are lighter. They could be asymmetrical. So one side longer than the other, um, different textures. Like one could be wrinkly, one set could be wrinkly, and then one set could be smooth. It's so crazy. And if, if you want, you can Google labia and then it'll show you a bunch of pictures and it's just it's so cool like everybody's labia are different and I know again this is not to shame anyone but a lot of women <clears throat> feel embarrassed because their labia minora so the set that's inside the labia majora they hang lower than the labia majora and it's like oh well it's not petite and it's not a nice little package and blah 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 and they want to get surgery for it and um, if that's something that you're thinking about or you're, you've considered, um, I'd like you to reconsider it because it's just, unless there's like, sometimes there are problems with it. Like it gets, their labia menorah gets stuck in clothing or they get really irritated because of how they're positioned. But if you're not having any adverse effects in regard to their size, I don't know if surgery is really the best option for you because I just don't I just don't see the point in something that's so sensitive and has so many nerve endings why just going in and changing the appearance is going to do much for you. You know what I mean? Just something to consider. Again, if you consider something like that, I'm not going to shame you for it, but I just really want you to consider this um because it is very common that women who have that a lot of women have larger labia minora than labia majora and they hang there and for most women or not most women for a lot of women it's not a problem I corrected myself because I don't know the, the exact percentages on where that becomes a problem versus not so I'm not going to shoot myself in the foot with misspeaking there because we all know I misspeak enough <laughs> Um, and again, you want to pay attention. You do want to pay attention to any sudden changes in your labia. So for example, if suddenly, like obviously you're going to want to pay attention to this and see your OBGYN or MD, if there's a blister or a sore or something hurts, like it's painful and the appearance just suddenly changes, that's when you're going to want to change or to see somebody to rule out any STIs, STDs. Um, I actually saw a really great post today on Instagram and I'm drawing a blank on what account posted it. Crap. It might have been feminist. I can't remember. But it was like all these um, all these fallacies that the porn industry pushes upon us. And one of these is <laughs> that porn is not real life and everyone's labia aren't these cute little petite pink packages that um, we see in porn. And it's not like that's just not real life. Like some like you can be a white woman and you can have dark labia. 
That doesn't mean you need a fucking bleaching cream. Bleach, dude. First of all, the fact that anyone, like, regardless of where they want to bleach, the fact that they're shamed to put fucking bleaching cream on their skin to bleach anything pisses me off. It's so, like, it's so rooted in white supremacy. It's so rooted in, like, oh, I'm just disgusted. And the fact that there is something like that for the fucking labia, I didn't even know about that until my friend told me. I was like, wait, your MD wanted you to put bleach where? Bleaching cream where? Are you fucking kidding me right now? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Not happening. So um, it's normal if you're a lighter-skinned person like me and you have dark labia. Okay? That's just how it is. It is what it is. Um, pigmentation issues is not a thing. You don't need a solution to fix this. Fuck off. And if somebody ever tells you that you need that, you can tell them, Dr. Mellis told me to tell you to fuck off. I'll take the heat. I don't give a shit. Um, that's what I have to say. I just, yeah, that really just makes me mad. Makes me so mad. So again, the whole point of this episode was not to give medical advice, not to be like, oh yeah, everything's fine and dandy and blah, blah. It was really just to normalize the fact that different bodies exist in every fucking aspect, (laughs) in every aspect, body size, what your vulva looks like, what your arms look like, what your hair color is, what your eye color is, how big your schnoz is. Everybody is different. The fact that we're all supposed to fit into the same mold is so boring. It's so boring. I can't even, oh my God. I can't even imagine trying to look like somebody else. It's just, no. Or can you imagine living in a Stepford Wive community? How fucking boring is that? No, thank you. So this is more to normalize the natural occurrence of all of our bodies and embrace all of our bodies. And um, just really talking about this more and just being open with each other. And if you're not ready to do that, I understand how personal and how intimate speaking about your parts like your vulva and your vagina. I know how sensitive that can be. But if you're comfortable and... um, you comfortable talking to your sister or your best friend or your favorite cousin or whatever and just kind of normalizing this or like when somebody comes on one of those mom's groups in Facebook and is like oh I'm so upset at my my labia my lips are so dark and I'm so light okay it's normal girl it's normal just please be there to support them and please be there to educate them because look I am so sick and tired of the shame and people preying on shame to make a fucking sale. I hate it. Listen, my business would be making so much more money if I shamed women for what they look like. No joke. If I took before and after pictures and I said, look, look at your big fat gut. Now we're going to have to get rid of that. Look at your flat ass. Oh, we're going to bulk that up. Do you know how much more money I can make doing that? But I don't because it's fucking stupid. And it's doing like I'm I'm in this for women's health and wellness. Tearing them down for what their bodies look like when we when all of ours are different. That is against health and wellness. And anybody perpetuating that is not a health and wellness provider, regardless of profession. They do not have it out in your best interest to serve you. They just want your money. 
And I don't give a shit if that sounds harsh. That's the reality of it. Um, But I really just want to normalize this whole like this whole idea like you don't need to change your body and it said ad, ad nauseum but your body is fucking beautiful you have the parts to give life to another fucking human and if somebody is going to come at you because your pubic hair is a little too long for their liking you can say i'm taking my uterus the fuck out of here and away from you because you're a toxic piece of shit oh yeah you're allowed to do that you're allowed to set boundaries especially when it comes to you're preserving your self-care, preserving your self-worth, and recognizing that you are a whole fucking human being, body, mind, spirit, and everything in between. The health and wellness industry preys off our insecurities as women. Um, this is just another thing to add to the list because there's nothing healthy about body shame and wanting to change ourselves for someone else, societal pressures included. So I hope you learned something today. I hope you're a little more at ease if you were concerned about any of these. I hope you have some answers as to whether you should be consulting your OBGYN or MD regarding any of these. And um, I'll throw the link to the Flow app in the show notes. So make sure you check that out. And I finally have a release date on my Finally Floored program. That's the only thing I have so far. I have like a billion ideas behind this. So my program called Finally Floored is going to be dropping January 18th, 2021. What it is, it's a pelvic health exercise program. So we're literally taking you from start to finish in conditioning your pelvic floor, getting it set for endurance, getting it set for strength, getting it set for flexibility, and then incorporating more complex movements so that your pelvic floor then functions with other parts of your body. So um, it's going to be a self-paced course. Do it yourself. It's going to be levels. I haven't really decided whether I want it to be, how long I want it to be or any of that. But that is what the program is going to be about. I do have a wait list up right now. So I'm going to drop that in the show notes as well. You can sign up for that. And this doesn't guarantee, this doesn't, um, make you obligated to buy it's just so that you're going to be on the email for when the program is open for purchase and you'll get first dibs on that um and my urinary incontinence course the diy course is actually closing at the end of december i decided this because um i want to revamp it next year so your last chance to grab that is december 31st of 2020 i'll add that to the show notes as well so finally floored is for those of you who do not have pelvic floor dysfunction but want to finally learn about your pelvic floor and learn about how to condition it and do so and um the urinary incontinence course is for those of you who are experiencing urinary leakage and don't really know where to go in regard to how to remedy that both of those show notes or both of those links are going to be in the show notes as well as the flow app so um i will be off next week because it's thanksgiving and we have a lot of stuff planned for black friday so um nothing crazy but i'll be off next week and we will see you on the next episode of finally fearless in december like we do it, like we do it, like we do it, cause no